My name's Clint Harrison. I'm the campus pastor here at Grace Oviedo. Super excited. We're in week three of Enter the Sanctuary. And so I want to talk to you about the word sanctuary if you haven't been with us. So it's this idea in the Old Testament. The word literally has this connotation of being set apart, being holy, being different. It's a place of refuge, a safe place. That's sanctuary. And then as we move through the scriptures, when we get in the New Testament, we see that sanctuary isn't just a place, it's actually a people. It's the people of God. And that when the people of God act like God and cooperate according to the scriptures and according to God's will, guess what? It's a safe place. It's a set-apart people. They are holy. They are different. They aren't like the world in that way. There's something that's happened internally that changes their life externally. It's sanctuary. That's the picture. And so we've been going through 1 Peter. We've been in chapter 2, and we're about to jump into chapter 3. And Peter has been saying language like this. Hey, you are living stones. You're like a sanctuary. And Jesus is the cornerstone. And if you model and implement your life around him, guess what? You will be different. You will be set apart. And then he goes through, we didn't cover all this, but he goes through different relationships in marriage, in your home, at your job, how they should be distinct and set apart because you are a living stone. And now he's going to wrap it up. He's almost going to summarize, and that's where we pick up today. We are in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and following. So here we go. He says, finally, all of you, all of you who are to be a sanctuary, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, loving one another, be compassionate and humble, gets real good. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing. Since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. It's crazy. Peter, the apostle Peter, the guy who wrote this letter to this dispersed group of Christians, he walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus physically for years. So he saw the character, the nature, the heart, the attitude behind Jesus. And what does he do? He's, he's summarizing, I feel like, with five adjectives in verse 8. He's summarizing the character of Christ. And that we as living stones should implement and resemble the, the cornerstone, Jesus. He, he gives ones like like-minded that as believers, we should be of one mind. What, what, what mind is this? The mind of Christ. I think of Philippians chapter 2, that we should have the same attitude or the same mindset as Jesus. That he didn't come grasping as if he was God, but no, he came in the form of a slave, of a servant. He considered others as more important than himself. He came not to be served, but to serve. That we would have this like-mindedness about us that we wouldn't be here for ourselves, that we would be here for others. And that we are sanctuary, that we are different in that way. This common mentality. And then he uses the word sympathetic or sympathy. The, the, way, the, the best way I understand this is my wife, okay? She comes to me and she's got something she wants to express to me. And I listen, I'm like, mm-hmm, okay? And she's like, no, 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 Clint, I want you to feel it with me. Right? Y'all ever get like that? Like, hey, you're not getting it. I want you to feel it. And I'm like, 
listen, sweetheart, like, I just don't feel it right now. I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm trying, right? So what's the picture here? Sometimes we can't just turn it on. I'm in Enneagram 7. I run from pain and suffering. I'm like, get me out of here. You want me to feel it? I want to run for my life, right? Some of you are like that, or some of you are just checked out. Guess what? If you have Jesus, by the grace of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can actually put yourself in their shoes. You can slow down. You can pray, God, I'm not feeling it, but she needs this right now or he needs this right now. God, would you come and transform my heart and my mind? Would you help me? I don't do this all the time, by the way. I wish I did. But if, if we're engaged with the Lord, he gives you the power and the strength to have sympathy, to be different to where my life's like, you do understand me. Like, this is amazing. It's Jesus. He is the ultimate sympathizer. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, Hebrews says. He truly understands. He feels it with you, right? That's the picture here. So finally, all of you be like-minded, sympathetic. And then he, he keeps going. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do you see Jesus in this? He walked with them. This is, this is Christ. All right, so let's keep going. Peter's about to get really practical. Okay, verse 9. Let's jump in. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. Woo, right? I, I just think practically, like, I'm just going to be real with y'all. So this is like years ago, all right? Years ago, every now and then, I don't know how y'all are about food, but I absolutely love food. Like, love, love, love it. Like, I think about it. As a matter of fact, we went out to this, like, restaurant the other night with a bunch of people. And, like, seven hours later, I text them. I'm like, wasn't that chicken amazing? Like, and they're like, for real? Seven hours later, bro? Like, I love food. If you're like me, you get it. Like, you just, you, you think about food. You love food. All, all the things. So, anyways, I love food. We're in my house. I had ordered takeout, okay? Everybody else has already had dinner. I got home late. So, I go in. I sit in the bed. My wife's next to me, we cut on the TV, and we're dialed in, I'm eating, I'm, I've got chicken tenders and fries, but these are like special tenders, I'm not going to get into all the details, but they're like amazing, okay? I'm, I'm totally dialed in, all right? Enjoying my show, and I got one tender left, okay? And I'm not paying attention, I look up, I'm watching the show. My wife literally puts her hands out and grabs that chicken tender right off my plate, and I go, excuse me? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, what? And I was like, think about what you're doing right there. I was like, I'm serious. Think about what you're doing because we're about to erupt. And she goes, oh, really? I was like, sweetheart. I got, I got real sad. I was like, sweetheart, you're going to regret this. I literally said those words. What did she do? She popped it right in, ate the whole thing. I watched her and I, I literally stood up out of the bed. I was like, no, you didn't. I was like, no. I was like, I am going to remember this. I literally said those words. All right, fast forward. Not kidding. Three years later. Not joking. Same scenario, but it's dessert, which is my wife's favorite. We're in the bed, okay? We're eating whatever. She's got, just picture your favorite dessert, like bread pudding, ice cream, chocolate-covered sauce all over it, right? Like, just covered up. It's the last bite. <laughs> Do you know what I did? 
I 100% took that last scoop and I go, do you remember? I'm not kidding. I know it's awful, but I 100% did it and I ate it and I enjoyed it and it's terrible. And she's like, I can't believe you. So anyways, that's exactly what we're not supposed to do. All right. All right. That's a really laughy way. But, but here's the deal. Like he's saying, hey, you don't live this way. You're different. And I know that's a, a funny example, but don't we do this? Think about it. You mess with my kid, lights out. Right? Like you mess with them, we're done. Never coming back. Right? You, you ghost me on a text for the rest of the week, I'm going to slander and I'm going to gossip about you. Right? Like all day. You don't invite me? Guess what? Your entire family will never be invited for the rest of your existence. Right? Y'all think I'm being fierce. This kind of stuff happens. Right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know. You pick me last for the sports game, I'm going to hate you for the rest of the semester. Right? We do this. I mean, fill in the blank. You skip me for the, to get that person for the job promotion and you passed me? For real? I've got my sights on you. I'm gunning for you. You think you're going to be here in a year? Huh. Right? We get in this mode where it's like, hey, if you're going to do that for me, to me, I'm going to do this to you. This tit for tat, right, mentality. And what does he say? Instead, give a blessing. Give a blessing. That's so countercultural in our hearts, in our lives. I mean, if you just walk through your daily activities, your last week, your last month, who are you gunning for right now? Who are you gossiping about? Who are you after? He's saying, hey, we don't live this way. We don't pay back evil for evil, insult for insult, right? I mean, this would be the picture of my wife comes in. Let's re rerun the script, right? She goes in for my chicken. I give her my fries too, which is never going to happen, by the <laughs> way. I know I'm a terrible sinner. God's working on me. Y'all pray for me, all right? But that's the picture. You don't just say, hey, it's okay. We bless. We serve. We give. I mean, I was really convicted by this this week in, in a particular example. We've been working on our, our office space. They've been building out the other half right across the street so we can have students, classes, all kinds of things there. And it has been the longest process. And every, it's like every day I get up, I get my phone out, and I text, hey, what's the update? How are we on this? What are we doing? Is the ball moving forward? That's just the way I operate. And so I'm just constantly, hey, What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Something else got delayed this week. And I was really frustrated. And I felt like somebody has to be blamed. Like something has to happen. So I get on the phone and he explains everything. And I was like, yeah, but this company over here. And he goes, just hear me out. He goes, I promise you, everybody's doing everything they can. I'm doing everything I can. Nobody dropped the ball. This is just life. And I got off the phone, I was like, you know what I mean? I didn't say anything. And then I read these verses and I was like, and nobody did anything sinful, nobody did anything evil, but from my perspective, somebody dropped the ball. And so for the first time with this guy, I sent him a text later on in the day. I was like, hey man, I recognize you're doing the best you can, 
and I really appreciate you working hard. Like, thank you so much for all that you're doing. And it was like this weight went off my chest. This peace came in. He sent me a text later on in the day. He never has given, up to this point, an update without me prompting. Maybe because I'm prompting all the time. I don't know. But, but like, never gives me an update. He shot me one that afternoon. Totally uncharacteristic. And it was receiving a, a, an encouragement. So I just want to ask you, who are you gunning for right now that you need to bless, that you need to be encouraging, that maybe you drop a gift card or a word of encouragement or, or whatever it is in your life? Some of you are smirking. Y'all must have some real stories going on, <laughs> right? But, but who is that? Who do you need to bless today? It's completely countercultural of how do we think and live sometimes. All right, let's keep going. Verse 10. He starts to quote Psalm 34. It's interesting. A lot of commentators think that Psalm 34 was almost a part of their worship, like their services, their liturgy, and it seems to be used often and frequent, but he's using it here. He says, for the one who wants, I'm just going to stop there. It's real easy to look at this passage and just thank anybody The person who wants, who has a desire for these things, is a person who is connected to Jesus. I just want to put that at the forefront. So if you're here and you're wanting these things, that's really good. If you want these things and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not going to find them. So let's, let's keep going. For the one who wants to love life and see good days, look at all these action steps. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You want a life of sanctuary, a life of wholeness, live like Jesus. It means living differently. It means being set apart, a safe place, a place of rest. I I think of, I'm going to go real deep into an example that my kids are a part of every day, it feels like. I know I've talked about it once other, one other time, but if you haven't seen Bluey, the cartoon, it's fantastic, especially if you're a parent. But even if you're not a parent, Bluey's just awesome. Like, it's just good. It's about uh, a family, and there's two sisters, Bluey and Bingo. And there's an episode in there. I just watched it this past week with my kids, and he, here, here's the scenario, okay? They are talking about flossing, like the dance. I'm not going to do it for you. Don't ask. I don't get paid enough, like all, all the things. But anyways, they're, they're talking about flossing. They're talking about dancing. And one of them, somehow it comes out, well, grandparents floss. And the other one, the other sister goes, no, they don't. So what do they do? They immediately get on FaceTime. They start to FaceTime with their grandparents. And their grandparents are like up here with the FaceTime. And they have to back up. It's really funny. It's cute, all the things. But they go, do y'all floss? And they go, yeah, we do every day, you know? Like, we do it all the time. Really corny, but fantastic all at the same time. So then they go, no, 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 like the dance. And they start dancing, and they're like, no, that's not flossing. So this is the interaction. The younger one looks at the older one. The older one goes, see, I told you they don't know how to floss. And so the breakdown after that is, the older one's all happy and proud, and I was right and you were wrong. And then they go out, and she goes, hey, Bingo, do you want to go play? And Bingo's like, no, I don't want to play with you. Not with you being like this. Runs off. So then Bluey's super mad that she doesn't have anybody to play with. So what takes place? She goes to Mom. Hey, Mom, 
this is the whole scenario, and now Bingo doesn't want to play with it. And the mom said these words. Sweetheart, you can either be right or you can play with Bluey. In other words, you can either be right or you can have a relationship. Right? So Bluey starts to think, okay, i got to fix this. FaceTimes the grandparents, teaches them how to floss, brings Bingo in, and it's hilarious, by the way, but brings Bingo in, Bingo, and she goes, look, Bingo, they know how to floss. And she's like, oh, yay, let's go play, right? What's the picture here? The picture is if you hang on to your pride, if it's all about being right, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And that's exactly what Peter's trying to convey is, listen, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't pursue life in that way, then, man, you're, you're going to have one thing but not the other. You're not going to have wholeness. You're not going to have happiness. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy. He says, be different, do good, and be kind. Seek peace. Verse 12, he continues with this psalm. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. As a matter of fact, I'm reading through the Bible in a year, a bunch of guys, and we've been going through Genesis as of late. And we have a section where you can comment after reading the chapters. And one of the guys in our group, uh, he, he, he mentioned something. He goes, hey, guys, I'm really struggling with this passage. Can you all help me out? And he, here was the scenario. Okay, it's Adam and Isaac. Uh, excuse me, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, you know, the, the father, forefather of our faith, the one who's considered righteous in Romans, like super dude, God made a covenant with him. Fantastic guy, right? And then Isaac, son, all, all these things, okay? There's two scenarios where Abraham goes into a new land. And he lies about his wife deceitfully. It was a half-truth. He said, this is my sister because she was so beautiful that he was afraid he would be in danger. So he sets her up as if she's not married. Pharaoh ends up taking her to, into his quarters and basically brings her in as his wife because he lied. They get through it. He puts her back, realizes that she's actually married, feels terrible, all the things. Fast forward, Isaac, the next son, okay? Same scenario, has a beautiful wife, goes into a new town. They go, who is this? She's my sister, lies. Same scenario, people are trying to reach out to get to know her. And it brings potential destruction in their family again. So here was the comment in the group. Just help me work this out, guys. Like, how can somebody who's considered to be righteous considered to be the one who God made a covenant with, who sends his blessings through and goes through the line to his son, and it just keeps going. Like, how can they do that and be righteous? It's a really great question. You know why I'm so encouraged by Genesis? Is that it's a process and that we are truly broken. All of humanity, no, not one, isn't fallen from God. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, everybody is broken, everybody has fallen, and we do some really atrocious stuff at times. We say some really terrible things at times. 
And we dial into sin and we, we get into seasons of sin, even in our family, where we're like, man, how did we get here? And you feel like you're disgusting and gross and, and all of the shame and the guilt. And then we're reminded, oh, yeah, people in the past have done things too. And they've been forgiven too. They've been considered righteous too. They've been considered holy, not based on what they've done, but based on what Christ has done for them. And so wherever you are today, like that's the picture. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. When you hear that word, you think, I'm not righteous. No, you're not apart from Jesus. But if you have Jesus and you're pursuing Jesus, you're going to fail. It is a process. You're not perfect. You're going to drop the ball as a parent. You're going to drop the ball as a student. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to sin. You're going to do things you wish you hadn't. But Jesus covers your sin. That's the hope of the gospel. And so the eyes of the Lord are on those who are found in Christ and his ears are open to their prayers. But those who say, I don't need Jesus, I'm going to live my life apart from Jesus, man, his face is turned from them. It's a big different scenario. We're not perfect. We mess up every day, but Jesus is good. Second Corinthians says it this way, he who had no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It's the hope of the gospel. Let's keep going. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. This is that 80-20 rule. And this isn't a firm stat. This is just generally speaking that 80% of your suffering is oftentimes avoidable. That if you would pursue Jesus, that you would navigate life with Jesus, and that you would make the decisions that he's called you to make, you can avoid a lot of suffering. But then there's 20% of your life that, man, it's just life. Wrecks happen. Sickness happens. Sometimes your job, at your job, your boss is out to get you, even though your work ethic and your character is impeccable. It's just 20% of that of your life, right? Tim Keller says it this way. He, He talks about this concept and meaning of marriage. He talks about the stats of people who lived together before marriage. He said the overwhelming statistic is they usually don't make it and they have all kinds of issues because of it. Because they, instead of following God's way and saying, hey, we're gonna wait for marriage to do it this way, we're just gonna do what we want. Tim Keller and really the Bible is saying, if you do what you want, man, it's gonna be rough for you. You're gonna have suffering that could have been avoided. You're going to have situations that you've placed yourself in that could have been avoided had you walked with God, had you listened to the scriptures, had you been in his, in his presence and with his spirit. So the Bible in both Old and New Testament speak of living a life of blessing when you walk with God, right? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Peter says even when we walk with God, sometimes we're ostracized, sometimes we're fired. Sometimes we're made fun of. Sometimes we're neglected because of our faith. That is part of life. We were just having that conversation in our home that sometimes living out Christianity, it looks different. We don't look normal to some people. We look different. We look set apart. We look like a sanctuary, right? And then he, he wraps it up here. Let's read out the rest. Do not fear them or be intimidated But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone 
who ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence. Remember, Peter is writing a letter to Christians who are spread abroad and they're being persecuted. What does he say? He says, hey, listen, listen, Christians, don't be afraid. Be strong, be confident in your faith. Don't just bow out. But he says, also be gentle, be gentle. That's what he's asking us to do. That's what he's asking us to be. And that when you live this way, when you live humbly, compassionately, sympathetically, when you have your heart and your mind devoted on Christ, do you know what? Some people, they're gonna persecute you. And then others, they're gonna ask you, how do I be like you? How do I be like you? How do I find hope that you have? How do I find the truth that you have? And Peter says, this is what he finalizes with. Be ready. Be ready to give an answer. Be ready for those who are asking. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that as we look at this text and as we look at your son, God, that we would be like him, that we would live like him, that we would follow him, that we would be a sanctuary because you are a sanctuary to us. And so God, I pray that as we live out this life that is distinct and set apart and holy and a place of refuge, God, that we would be prepared in our hearts and our minds to engage those who are far from you, who are saying, hey, what is this? How do I have it, God, that we would have an answer ready? And not just necessarily an intellectual answer, but God, a relational answer that Jesus saved us, that he's changed us and he can change you too. He can forgive you too. There's hope for you too. So God, would you move and work? Would we be on mission for you? We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.